Welcome to season number six of the Get Your Money Right podcast, the podcast where not only do we want you to get your money, we want you to get your money right. This show is designed specifically for ambitious moms, dads, husbands, and wives to help you get money out of the way so you can live life on your own terms. And if you're finally ready to transform the way you do money, head over and grab one of our free resources at yourmoneyright.com. Again, that's yourmoneyright.com. What's the good news, people? Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Get Your Money Right podcast, the podcast where we talk about money like it's everybody's business. Because I truly believe if we're not good with money, it's because we don't talk about money. And this show is designed to change just that. I am your host, the Money Misfit, Jamar Dupas, episode number 85. And today, today we're going to talk about the seven cures for broke bank accounts. And these are lessons learned from a book that you've probably heard people talk about. If not, I'm going to give you the insight on that today. I know you're going to love it. You're going to enjoy it. It's going to be quick, easy, painless type of stuff today. And so I appreciate you being here. If this is your first time tuning in, welcome, welcome, welcome. I don't know how you found me, but I appreciate you being here. This is a different type of personal finance podcast. We talk about money as it relates to real life, right? For real people. They want to get real results results, and they want to live their life really how they want to live it. So uh, if you want to find out more about what we do and how we do it, head over to our website at yourmoneyright.com. Again, that's yourmoneyright.com and become a misfit. So we're going to get on right into this thing because I know some of you have been wondering. I've gotten some emails, some Facebook messages, some comments, all kinds of things right about, yo, <laughs> where was last week's episode, right? Uh, and... Uh, it's funny because last week was actually our two-year anniversary, right? We got this thing popping off March 1st of 2016. Can you believe it? 2016. We've been doing this podcast for two years now. And to be honest with you, I just got busy, <laughs> right? And I was like, you know what? It's been two years. I'm taking this week off. Uh, we just started doing a whole bunch of stuff around the house. Uh, we've had some some little bugs and stuff going on around the house. We're starting our whole spring cleaning type setup, right? We're getting ready, get the house ready, coming out of the winter. Or should I say a series of cold fronts down here in Houston? We don't really have winters. Uh, but we're coming out of that, getting ready for the beautiful weather. The The leaves are starting to turn green, getting the grass back together. We like to do a lot of things outdoors. Uh, we've had just a whole lot of stuff coming up. We got some medical stuff coming up with the family just to kind of get personal, uh, some surgeries and expenses and unexpected expenses, which we're going to talk about one of these days. I've said this before. We're going to talk about one of these, all the, the different kind of financial setbacks we've had in the misfit household over the past year or so. Right. And I've said this before. It's always when you're getting ready to do great things where things kind of start to jump in your way. Right. And really want to know, do you really want this bad enough? Do you really want to push past it? Because I'm going to test you right before you get to the other side of whatever you're trying to get to. Here come the challenges. Right. Here comes the test. Right. Here You've heard it before. And there is no testimony without the test. So we're going to talk about that stuff one of these days. But, yeah, that's basically what happens. Here I am. Uh, <laughs> it's not even Monday. It's coming out late. Uh, I know. Yeah, forgive me on this. Uh, it's coming out late. We're normally releasing our shows on Monday like clockwork, uh, but we have not been doing that. But 
Uh, we're now getting back on schedule. Uh, first and all, before we move on, uh, shout out to everybody who gave me great feedback and everybody who helped us have a tremendous Black History Month. It, it's one of my favorite times because I kind of get to dig into the finances when it comes to black history. We talk a lot about, you know, you see black history talk about in other different ways and other textures and other uh, other forms. But nobody really talks about the financial side of it. And I I'm if you know, I'm a money nerd, so to speak. So I really enjoy that. So shout out to everybody who's helped that uh, help it be an amazing month and all the feedback that I've got back. Uh, shout out again to Mr. Shamari Wills for that amazing book that I do recommend. If you've not heard that interview that I did with him, he's a real humble, humble guy. Uh, he's doing amazing things, and I think he's going to do even more amazing things in the future. I think this is not going to be the last we've heard of him. If you've not picked up that book, go check it out and pick up that book uh, because it is a, it's one of those ones you just want to have on your on your on your table, right on your bookshelf to show your kids and show other people, especially if you are uh, a, a black family. Right. Like, look, uh, you've been told that we've come from slaves. Right. And you've told that we've had it hard. But look, here are some examples of people going against the grain. Right. Taking the, the adversity that they had. And and just making the most out of it. Right. So uh, it's one of those things that makes made me look in the mirror like, what's your excuse? Right. <laughs> like, look, what's your excuse? These cats came out of slavery. Right. What's your excuse? Uh, and regardless of, of how you feel about that, it's like, look, we can all do this. Right. We can do this if we put our mind to it. And we got to we got to be putting our minds to it. Right. Uh, and, and in order to do put your minds to it, you got to keep your mind uh, from getting distracted by the rest of the stuff that's going on in life that don't really matter. Right. In the grand scheme of things. Right. So I'm not going to dig into that because I can get real political and we'll be here all day long talking about that. So we're not going to do that. But today I want to get into the seven cures of a broke bank account. And really where this came from is from the book, uh, The Richest Man in Babylon. They call it the seven cures for a lean purse. Right. And as I was reading through this book, it's a really short book. It's a really short read. I was actually listening to it first. Um, and you know how I am about my audiobooks. I think everybody should be listening to audiobooks and podcasts and things like that, especially when you're on your commute, when you're doing things that don't really t- that don't really require too much attention. If you're out there cutting the yard or washing dishes or whatever the case may be, I love audiobooks and podcasts for for situations like that. So I was listening to the uh the audiobook. It's an old classic, right? You can get this thing almost anywhere for cheap or free. Matter of fact, if you email me, I will send you the book. I'll give you the PDF, the ebook if the, if you want that. Or matter of fact, do this. Head over to our website and get on the email list, right? To get my best stuff. I'm actually going to send this out to people on the email list this week. So make sure you're on that. If you're not on that or if you are on that and you didn't see it, email me and I'll get that to you uh ASAP. Again, my email is jamaryourmoneyright.com. But uh so I was listening to the audiobook and then I got the actual book and I've, I've read this before, right? It's one of those classic books that people always recommend. And you know, a lot of times you go back and you read things, you get new wisdom out of it, right? Because you yourself have changed. You've become a different person than uh, who you were when you first heard it or first read it or thought you had read it, right? Um, I, I even think about that a lot of times. If you go back and listen to my old podcast, right? Even go back to the very first year, 
And if you've heard them before, when you listen to them again, you hear things in them that you didn't hear the first time. Even I hear things in them that I didn't hear the first time, which is which is crazy because I'm, I'm going back and I'm compiling a list of like our top 10. Right. Kind of putting together a curriculum and I'm going through and listening to this. It's like, man, I didn't even realize I said that stuff. Right. But that's the way the brain works. You get this information that comes out. You process it differently as you grow. But anyway, so I'm listening to this and I'm going through and I'm reading and listening to the seven cures. And I went back and I read about the seven cures. I said, you know, people need to hear this. Number one, you need to pick up the book, right? Get the book. You can get it on Amazon for like a dollar or something like that. Uh, I think you can get the physical copies for like a couple of dollars. You can get it from your library for free. You can get it in audiobook form from your library for free. Matter of fact, that's how I listen to it. I've talked about how to get audiobooks for free without having to go through Audible. I did that in the episode where we talked about uh, getting a free education. Uh, I'll put a link to the show notes to that episode to t- talk about all the free resources that are out there to educate yourself, get that real education, the, fu- the functional education for you to uh, you know survive and, and live through life and strive through life, I should say. Uh, but anyway, so he was talking about the seven cures for a lean person. That's what I really want to go through today. These are the seven cures for a lean purse, a.k.a. a broke bank account. And this book is is set in an ancient time period, the time period of Babylon, right? Just to kind of give you a backstory. And this is only one part of the book. The book has uh, several different lessons about what to do with gold and your money and your connections and things like that. But I just want to go through this, this section of these seven cures. Uh, and just to kind of give you some backstory, at the time, this town or the city of Babylon uh, was, was really... P- prosperous right a whole lot they had a whole lot going for it. technology was at all-time high again it's set in ancient times and then one of the things that they did in the in that back back then is they learned how to do things like irrigation uh they came through wars there's a lot of different things that made everybody within this kingdom prosperous uh but there were those who were really prosperous right amongst all the people in the kingdom who were once kind of poor just like a regular town out of that became a bunch of people who made a whole bunch of money. And the king was like, look, why should a few of the people have so much money? Why can't everybody have a whole lot of money? Right. And so he's talking to his 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 uh, his tribe or his, his council or whatnot. And they were like, look, you know, you know, we got to figure out how to teach everybody how to amass their own wealth. Right. If a few can do it, certainly Everybody can do it. And they were like, well, who are we going to get to teach everybody how to amass their wealth? And so what they did naturally is they went and found the richest man in Babylon. Right. And the richest man at that time uh, was who they went to to see if he can teach people his principles or how he became. He went from being just like a scribe to uh, the richest man in Babylon, to owning ter- a bunch of land and businesses and all this other stuff. How did he do that within his lifetime? And so that's what the setting is all about. And over a, a period of a week, the richest man in Babylon has these classes and they have these uh, these gentlemen uh, come in and they they learn from him these seven cures, these seven principles, so to speak. And when I'm going through, they're really simple. Right. But they're profound because they are simple. A lot of times we try to complicate things, especially when it comes to money. We try to complicate so much. And one of the reasons why we try to complicate so much is the financial industry wants to complicate money so much. They say, look, you don't know what to do with your money. Hand it to me and I'll manage it for you. Right. For a fee, so to speak. Right. And because 
that that's 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 what's in it for them, right? If they can hold on to your money, make money off your money, and charge you some money to do that, it's a win-win situation for them, right? And that's uh, that's why you know we look at money as a complicated thing. The other reason why we look at money as a complicated thing is nobody teaches us about money. Right. You may have a, a little math and money course or something like that in, in college, but they just taught you how to or not in college, maybe high school or middle school or something like that. But they just taught you how to count coins, maybe open the checking account and a savings account. Right. But how many of you know that checking accounts and savings accounts are not the most efficient ways to manage money? Right. Has anybody even questioned why we even use checking accounts or savings accounts? No, nobody's ever questioned it. Right. We don't even know if there's if is there a better way? You know, well, I'm, I'm tell you, yeah, but, <laughs> you know, I wouldn't be asking that question if it wasn't a better way. But nobody questioned that stuff because that's kind of what we're, we're taught. And the information that we get about money comes from people in the industry of money who would like to, for us to give them our money. Right. <laughs> Crazy. Right. But anyway, let's get on with the info. So let's talk about the seven cures. The very first cure. Uh, and this Again, these may seem elementary, but hear me out, right? You really want to get these down. Make sure you write them down uh, with a pen and pad. If you don't write them down, of course, I'll have them in the show notes. But the first cure for a lean purse or a.k.a. broke bank accounts is to start thy purse fattening, (laughs) as it says in the book. And what does that mean? Uh, Basically, again, in the setting, the the richest man in, in Babylon, his name was Arkad, by the way. Uh, and he has a room full of men and they were in there. He's asking them, you know, what do they do? Uh, some of them was like, I'm a, I'm a craftsman. I'm a, uh, I carve records. I'm a scribe. Some people say that I'm a builder. Some people say I bake bread, yada, yada, yada. I'm a, I'm a goat farmer, yada, yada, whatever. Right. Everybody has their own labor. Right. And so he's talking to them about what they do. Right. And he's, and he, uh, to one person, he says, look, if I think he was like a, a chicken farmer or something like that. Anyways, he has eggs. He said, if you took 10 eggs, right? Uh, say if you made 10 eggs that day and you kept nine for yourself and you put one into a separate basket, what would happen to that basket over a long period of time? That one basket of eggs that you put that one egg, he said, well, it would eventually overflow. And he says, well, exactly. Right. And he, but he's like, well, why? He says, because you know, I put one more, egg, I put more eggs in it than I take out. And he's like, exactly. That's the simple the simpleness of it, right? So the very first thing is you need to start fattening your own purse. And basically what he was trying to say is, and you've heard this said before, is pay yourself first is a basic principle of that, right? You need to take some of the money, right, that you make and keep it for yourself. In fact, I think the quote that came directly out of the book is a part of all you earn is yours to keep, right? And it's a simple, simple deal, but it's profound because think about it. A part of all you earn is yours to keep. You have a right to keep a part of what you earn. Right. Don't you? Do you think you deserve that? And it's it's simple. But it's when you look back on your life. Right. And I've told the story before about how my mentor challenged me and he asked me at the time I didn't have a thousand dollars to invest in something. And he's like, well, have you been working for more than 10 years? And I was like, well, yeah, of course. And he says, you don't have a thousand dollars. I was like, well, no, I don't have I don't make that much money. Right. That was my excuse, which was kind of what these guys in this 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 room were saying in the in in this book, in this first part of the cure. And I was like, well, look, I don't make that much money, man. And, and bills and this and bills and that. He's like, well, let me get straight. You've been working for at least, let's say, 10 years. You don't have a thousand dollars. You mean to tell me you haven't been able to keep a hundred dollars a year 
for yourself over the last 10 years? Not even, he said, let's break that down, right? How much is $100 in a year? Right? If you broke that up in the 12 months, that's $8 a month. You haven't been able to keep $8 a month for yourself. I mean, a, a month for yourself. That's $2 a week. You haven't been able to put aside $2 a week for yourself over the last 10 years. It broke my heart, <laughs> right? At first, I got upset, right? Like, number one, who you, who you think you're talking to, right? But it was a gut check because it was real, right? Like, look, I'm a grown man. I didn't have $1,000. And I've been working for more than, you know, 10 years, obviously. So, yeah, a part of all you earn <laughs> is yours to keep. And it's so simple, but it was never explained to me that way, right? I never really thought of it that way as it being so simple. And this was the first cure that this man, that Arcad was given to the men that were in this meeting, that was in this class. Like, look, you got you to gotta pay yourself first. If you don't ever put anything aside, you'll never have a month. You'll never have, an, you'll never have enough, right? Because there's never going to be enough, which leads to the second cure. Control thy expenditures, Right. <laughs> so after he told a lot of the men, say, look, you need to keep, you know, keep some of your money for yourself. Most of them says, like, look, how can I keep, you know, one tenth of everything that I earn? If what I'm earning is already not enough to cover my expenses. Right. So he asked everybody in the room, said, look, how many of you have had broke bank accounts? or have had lean purses, so to speak. Right. And they just basically answered like all of us. Right. And he said to him, say, but yeah, all y'all have different skills. All y'all have different careers. Do y'all not y'all don't all earn the same. So if you don't all earn the same, why is it all of you are broke? Right. Some of you earn so much more than the cats across the other side of the room. But all of y'all are broke. Why is that? Right. It's like you can't confuse what's not necessary with what you desire, right? With the, the desires of the flesh, because that's what, that's what it's all about, right? Uh, you got to think about that and you got to think about your family. You got to think about your goals and stuff like that. You have to look at those things as what they are and you got to learn to control your expenditures. Now, you know, we talk about this a little bit differently as misfits, right? We're not really too much focused on the expenses themselves. What we're focused on is the purpose of our money, right? And then the things that don't mean much to us any in, in you know, they kind of fall off to the side anyway, because we want to ask that question. What is it that we want our money to do for us? But this principle still lies in there, right? Because if you don't know what you want your money to do, well, it's really it gets difficult to control your expenditures, right? It, it gets real difficult unless you're super disciplined, right? And if you're and if you're super disciplined, you're probably not listening to me or you're probably not having any money problems, right? I'm, I'm not super disciplined. I knew that about myself. Right. It's, I know it sounds crazy coming from a money guy, but I knew that about myself. I don't have this innate, you know, just drive for discipline. Right. I'm one of those cats that I'll go to the gym. I'll get a gym membership. I'll go to the gym and I'll just float around that mug because I ain't, I didn't have my game plan together. Right. And I just be doing some random stuff and I could have just stayed home for <laughs> that type of stuff. Right. So having a personal trainer or doing something like CrossFit or something like that benefits me because it's a system that I just got to plug into. Right. And that's kind of how I work. And that's how our, our, our money misfits, our money methods work. That way you plug into the system and you don't have to worry about discipline. 
But anyway, but you still have to that that principle applies. You got to figure out a way to control your expenditures because it doesn't matter how much or how little you you earn. You have to be able to keep some for yourself. And one of the best ways to do that is to make sure you maintain control over what money goes out. Right. Uh, Third cure is make thy gold multiply. Right. So basically what he's saying on this is is what it sounds like. Right. You got you got some money. You put some money aside. Like, is your money making money for you? And if not, you need to start getting in that. You need to start doing that. Right. Because that's how you multiply. That's how you leverage your efforts. Right. Because you can only work so many hours in a day. Right. You can only produce so much in a day for yourself as as one individual being. Right. But if you can utilize your money to go to work for you while you're you know, going to get more money, then that begets more money. Right. And you start to multiply your own efforts exponentially. And at first it looks like you're just watching grass grow. Right. It's, it's slow and you don't really see much happening, that type of thing. But eventually you start to see your efforts moving, your skills pick up, your connections pick up, your opportunities pick up. And then money just starts to just just roll over, make more, more, more money for you. And that's the game plan. Right. We don't want to be working for the rest of our lives. So we got to figure out how to make our gold multiply. Right. So get your money out there, putting it to work in this in this particular book. He was talking about how he would loan money uh, or he would put money in, in with the banks. And, hey, you, I'll give you this money to hold for so many years and you give me some money back and all that type of stuff. But basically, you want to get your money out there working for you. Get it. Get it laboring as well. All right. Now, the fourth cure is to guard thy treasures from loss. So basically, it just means just like, look, you got to keep your money. Right. Uh, you have more opportunity in protecting your money than you do in multiplying your money. Right. So so many of us just lose money or we give our money away to other people who then turn that money into wealth. Right. If you think about it, every time a dollar leaves your hand, it's building wealth for somebody else. Right. You're you're feeding somebody else's family. Uh, and then if they are entrepreneurs or if they're very uh, you know wise with it, they're taking the money that you're giving them and they're making it multiply even more. Right. And then maybe they'll start another business or do something else that'll take more money out of your pocket. Right. Provide a service for you. And I'm not saying that you should you know, you shouldn't be spending money. Right. Because you hopefully you're spending money on things that bring you value in life. Right. Really, that's what we all should be doing. Right. Just spending it. it Almost like an investment, but not quite an investment, but putting our money towards things that bring us value back. Right. That make that makes it worthwhile to spend our money on, so to speak. Right. Uh, So on this one, he's just talking about, look, you need to guard your treasures from loss. So even though you need to go make your money work for you, you also need to know that, look, I need to get my money back. I need to protect my money in that. And one of the best way to do that is you only invest in things that protect the principle. Right. The money that you put in. Uh, We were talking about this before. uh, And one of my favorite definitions of investment is uh, came from a book, The Intelligent Investor uh, by um, what's his dude name? I want why I want to say Bill Graham. It's Ben Graham. Right. He wrote the book, The Intelligent Investor. And in the book, he says that an investment is basically it's an operation or one that which, you know, after you've looked through it and you've analyzed it and everything will promise the safety of your principal. Right. And give you a, an adequate return on your money. Right. So basically, in other words, an investment 
is only something where you put your money in and you know you're going to get at least what you put in back out plus some more. Right. That's an investment. Anything that can't promise you your or, or really ensure that you get your your money back out of it is speculation. Right. So we've been going through this whole Bitcoin craze and this cryptocurrency craze. And, and I've been getting a lot of emails and people asking me, are you investing in, in cryptocurrency? Can I, should I invest in cryptocurrency? Because I invest in Bitcoin and things like that. Well, there's a difference between, again, investing and speculation. Right. And for the most part in Bitcoin, unless you are studying things to a T, you're doing this as a daily deal. You're just speculating. Right. You're just hoping that it goes up. You, you don't really know what mechanisms make it go up. You don't have any control over that mechanism. There is no real promise that you're going to get your money back that you put into it. Right. So you're you're since you don't have that, you're just speculating. Right. Only things that I, quote unquote, invest in are those things where I know or I have a pretty good chance that I know that I'm going to get my money back. There's always an opportunity for me to lose all my money. Right. Because, you know, we'll never now I'll take that back. <laughs> it's not always an opportunity for me to lose all my money. I'm always protecting my my back end, right? Somehow I'm shortening it so my losses are minimized. But an investment is something that you basically protect your your principal. That's why you hear a lot of people say when they invest, when do I get my money back or how soon can I get my money back? Right? So if they can get their principal back and let the extra stuff on top of it just keep going, then that's a win-win situation. It's like if you go to the casino, right? And you you win. You win on the blackjack table or whatever you like to play. Right. And what you want to do is if you went in with a thousand dollars and you and you made two thousand. Now you want to take that thousand you went in and put it to the side. That money is now out of the game. You're not playing for free right now. You're just playing with the house money because you've protected your money already. Right. Not saying that gambling is an investment It's not. Absolutely not. But I'm just saying if you want something, the idea is that you keep your earnings, you keep what you brought to the table off to the side that's no longer on the table anymore. Now you're just playing with the house money and you go forward that way. That's how intelligent investors do this thing, right? They put as little of their own money as possible in there so that they know they can get that back, right? And then use other people's money to keep going, right? But basically what this is saying is you need to be able to guard yourself from losses. We talked about that as far as like insurance and stuff like that as well. These things kind of help you guard and protect yourself from losses, right? All right, so next one is a fifth cure. The fifth cure is make of thy dwelling a profitable investment. Now, I, <clears throat> I take this with a grain of salt, but it is a good principle, right, when you think about the basics. But basically what he's saying here is own your own home, right? Buy your home. And uh, and the reason he gives her that is like, look, you know, if you are renting somewhere else, there's very little that you can do. There's There's this feeling that you can't really feel planted, so to speak. And back in the day, it was important that you felt planted, that you can, uh, you know, in these times, especially you can you can grow your own garden. You can plow your own fields. You're you know, he was talking about you have a wife that has her own place that she can grow herbs and, and lay down. And your kids have their own place where they can, uh, you know, plan and play in the yard. And, and you just have a place where you can call your home and do whatever you want to do with your own dwelling. Right. So that's basically what this is. The fifth, fifth cure is uh, make your home own your home right and that way eventually you end up paying off your creditors if you borrowed money to buy your house you end up paying them off and you no longer have to pay a rent to somebody else so to speak to live in a house now these days things are a little bit different right you're always going to owe somebody something when you own a home right because you live on a property and the government gonna come in and 
you know, do their shakedown and get some taxes from, you know, you owning your own property. Right. It's kind of the way it goes. But it's still a good idea to own your own home under the right circumstances. Now, the six, the six cure is to ensure a future income. And this is kind of real simple. And basically what we were talking about before is how you need to protect your principal uh, and invest in things like that. But basically what he's saying here is you need to figure out a way to ensure that you have money down the road. Right. So when you are no longer able to work, that you have money coming in for you to live off of, you need to be able to ensure your future income. One of the ways that we sabotage our future income is by going into debt and consumer debt in particular. Right. So I need to buy uh, a couch and I got it on payments for the next 12 years. Right. You are betting you are basically giving away a promising your future income that you earn to for this couch, so to speak. But really, the 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 deal here is you want to be able to learn how to invest, protect your principal, but you're doing it all for the idea of having future income. And I've talked about this a lot about how cash flow is king, right? Because you want to be investing for cash flow, not necessarily just you know value, right? Or investing for you know, net worth, so to speak. A lot of people talk about net worth as this end all be all, but you don't eat net worth, right? You can eat off of cash flow and you can, and cash flow is income. And that's why it's important that he's, that that's why this re, you know, resonated with me. Cause it's like, look, you need to insure yourself for future income, not just future value, not just how much it's in the account, but how much of that money is in the account will actually give you an income that you can live off of. Right? So that's the six cure. And the seventh cure is one of my uh, favorites, right? Because you've heard me talk about this because very few people who talk about money talk about this. But the seventh cure is to increase thy ability to earn. One of the biggest investments, the biggest returns that you'll get. One of the biggest things that will make the most difference in your life, in your financial life is how much you can earn, <laughs> right? Your income, not your rate of return, right? Not your gains, really not even much of your losses, right? Losses can hurt, but it's really about how much you're putting in the game to play, right? If I come to the table with a whole lot to play with, I'm going to be better off more than likely than a person who doesn't have very much to play with. But we can all level that playing field or get close to it by increasing our skills, always learning how to earn more, how to gather more skills, make more connections that people want to pay you for. Right. You got to be able to figure out how to learn more, how to earn more. Right. So you can repay these loans. You can get out of debt. So you cannot owe one man just one thing. One of the things that breaks my heart is when you hear these people and you see these people on TV and they're marching and they're protesting and spend a lot of time trying to raise the minimum wage for themselves. And old mentors to say to me all the time is like, look, don't make your minimums your maximums. The minimum wage is just that minimum, right? You should your eyes should never be set on minimum. You should be set on maximum. What's the most I can make, and how do I get to that? I'm not even worried about what I'm making now, right? I'll do what I have to do, what I got to do with what I have now. But how do I increase that? How do I move to the next level? How do I get to my to get to the point to where I can do the buckets? How do I get to the point where I can, uh, you know, putting aside 10 percent ain't nothing, 20 percent, 30 percent, 40 percent. 
You know, we, we want you to target on living your necessities being no more than 50 percent of what you bring home. Right. That's if that's impossible for you to do right now. Well, how do you earn more? What do you what's your target number to get to so you can earn more so you can live off of 50 percent? Right. Can, so you can do 10 percent in all the different buckets. Right. Because that's when you accelerate. That's when you move. That's when things starts happening for you. When you start putting your money in these particular buckets that then begets more money, begins more wisdom, begins more peace, begins more, more love, more, more, you know, wisdom and just more protection for yourself. Right. You have to increase, increase your ability to earn. There's no ifs, ands or buts around it. You what you make today won't be enough tomorrow. Right. Even if they keep up with your your pay increases, which they probably won't. Right. I don't I don't know anybody who gets a regular like clockwork, you know, cost of living raise. Right. And nobody that I know that's wealthy worries about cost of living raises. (laughs) Right. They go they go do exponentially more than that. Right. Because they're not really remember. Right. Because cost of living increases are your minimums. Right. We're not going to focus on our minimums. So we got to figure out how to do that. How do you increase your ability to earn? It's education. It's making the connections. It's finding people who are where you want to be in life. And you ask them, look, flat out, how did you get here? What did you do? What road should I take? Right. And don't look for shortcuts. Right. Shortcuts take too long. There is no getting around doing the work. Period. Dot the end. You can look at people all day and they look like overnight successes. But 99.9% of these people, they put in work. They put in the work to get to where they are today. So I don't hate on rich people. Right. Well, number one, it's a bad idea to hate on rich people. Right. Because if you hate on rich people, your brain will not allow you to be rich. What do I mean by that? If you look at rich, rich people and you have this disdain for rich people, right, your brain's like, look, we don't want to be that. So it will do everything in its power to keep you from being rich because it doesn't want to be criticized by itself. It wants to be right. And if you said to yourself that rich people are evil and you know you don't want to be evil, your brain will keep you from being evil. At all costs, right, because it wants to be right. It wants to affirm itself. So that's number one. <laughs> All right. Then the other point is like you can do a whole lot of things if you're wealthy, right? You can do a whole lot of good things if you got plenty of resources and stuff like that. But that's the seventh, and that's the last cure for a lean purse, aka a broke bank account, right? Should we recap? Let's recap. The first and very first thing is well, first let's start with the with the quote, right? A part of all you earn is yours to keep. Understand that. Dig that in. Marinate on that. Eat that. Ingest that. Take that. Right. A part of a part of all you earn is yours to keep. The first cure is basically pay yourself first. Right. You have to keep a little bit. You got to keep at least a tenth of, of what you have to yourself. Right. For us, it started off, but that tenth was our tithe, right? Because we figure like that's that's to us anyway, right? We get that's coming back, right? Based on the promises, right? But then we do another ten percent on top of that. Uh, the second cure is control your expenditures, right? And we talked about the easiest way to do that is to ask yourself what you want your money to do for you. You know, what are your MVPs? What are your most valuable priorities when it comes to your finances, right? 
Those are the type of things that you need to focus on. The rest of the little stuff, once you kind of understand the purpose for your money and purpose for your life, the other stuff just kind of fall off. That's how you keep your expenditures in check there because your your money has purpose. If you're just sitting there with money just sitting in the account and don't have anything to do, well, yeah, it's going to be good luck trying to trying to control your expenditures when you just got money floating around, right? And you have no purpose for it. It's just you're just not going to be able to control it. It's just like if your children come home from school and you don't tell them what to do. Well, whatever thing gets their attention is what's going to is what they're going to do. Same thing with your money. If you don't tell your money what to do, whatever Whatever marketing guy, whatever thing gets your attention, whatever shiny new new object gets your attention, it's what's going to take your money. Same thing, right? The third cue is make thy gold multiply. Basically, take your money, make your money, make you some money, right? Period. Out the end. Just get it to multiply for you. Put it to work. Uh, the fourth cure is to guard thy treasures from loss. You got to protect your money at all times. We learned this from uh, money money Mayweather, right? Protect yourself at all times, right? Anytime you step in this ring, you need to protect yourself. You need to protect your money. Guard it. Don't let nobody take it. Don't don't go after the next hot thing, the next uh, you know investment, the next coin, the next IUL or next whatever without knowing what you're doing, right? Without knowing that, look, first things first is how do I get my principal back, right? I'm going to put this money in this game. How do I get it back out and then let the house money keep rolling? All right. The fifth cure is make of thy dwelling a profitable investment. Basically, make your home a profitable investment, which, you know, we're not going to talk about that right now. But, you know, own your own house, basically, is what they were trying to say. Right. Make it a place where you can maybe make it a place where you can make profit from. Right. I know me. I get I get tax returns off of I get tax breaks because I have a home office. Right. So yeah, it's part of the deal. But we also love our house. We love owning our home. We yeah, I spend a lot of time in my yard, trees. I got a big yard. I got beautiful trees. Uh, you know, we keep the house clean. We It's just a beautiful place for us. We love our home. Right. So I'm not saying nobody should you not should not own a home, but make the most out of it. And one day when that mortgage is paid off, the only person I got to up, pay up on is, you know, is the big boss of the government. Right. Until I decide to move to Tahiti or something. All right, the sixth cure. The sixth cure is what is the sixth cure? This is the sixth cure is ensure a future income. We've talked about this before. You want to be investing for something, and there's only three things that we invest in. And one of those things is cash flow, right? We invest for cash flow, so you need to invest for future income, not just net worth, but how much of that net worth can you convert to income is the important part because you need income, <laughs> right? I don't care if your house is worth a million dollars. If you still need to live in it, it don't matter. You can't get that million dollars out unless, one, somebody wants to pay you a million dollars for it, right? And you want to leave it. And you have somewhere else to go that don't cost you a million dollars, right? So it's all about investing and putting the money aside so where you can create an income for yourself in your later ages. It's all about protecting your family, too. So uh, you know, you can look at that as far as like life insurance, so to speak. Uh, life insurance is one of those things that, you know, you need to have, especially if you got game plans for your money. Uh, and a good investment plan and should work whether you're dead or alive. Right. And a, a good investment plan, a good game plan will have life insurance somewhere in there somehow. All right. And the seventh cure and the final cure, one of my favorites of all time is to increase thy ability to earn. This is so important. I cannot stress this enough. You have to increase your ability to earn. Right. And how do you increase your ability to earn? It's about the people you hang around with. It's the books that you read. It's the the environment that you immerse yourself in. It's the skills that you acquire. It's just that's there's no other way around it. Right. This is why we have a 
a bucket specifically for getting better, right? We put money to this. We have money set aside every month to help us get better, to learn more, to, to learn, to earn, to learn, to have better marriages, to learn, to be better people, because you have to continuously grow. You only make what you make now because that's all that you can earn right now based on your current skill level, your current net worth, your current abilities and all that stuff. If you want to make more, you got to give yourself new ideas and and there's just no ways around it. Right. Get yourself new ideas, new circles, new friends, new skills. That's just how it goes. Right. But that's that's the secret. That's the game plan. (laughs) Right. And that's it. Those are the seven cures for lean purse, a.k.a. broke bank accounts. Hopefully that was helpful. If you thought that was helpful, do me a favor and share this thing out. And don't forget, we still use and need and love those five star ratings and reviews there on iTunes or, or, or I should say Apple podcast these days. Also, the podcast will be opening up on new uh, waiting on Spotify because I've had a few people request about that. Possibly SoundCloud. I'm not a big big fan of that, but we'll, we'll talk about it if I get enough people asking me about it there. Uh, but we'll be going on iHeartRadio. I think we are also on, maybe we're already on iHeartRadio. And it's iTunes or YouTube or, yes. I don't know. Yes. Don't give me the line. But anyway, <laughs> so uh, we are expanding. We are growing. I have not forgot about you. I just took that week off. I apologize for those of you waiting on the show. I'm sorry for those of you waiting on the show. It's just been getting out kind of late been super busy but no excuse we're gonna keep this thing popping and moving forward uh, because we only have a few more episodes before the season is out so uh we're gonna finish this thing off with a bang and i got big plans again for next season next season we'll talk more about money and family and stuff like that i think those of you got families i think you're gonna get a whole lot from from next season especially so with that being said i'm going to get off this mic i appreciate you so much for listening i really do thank you thank you thank you i love you and God bless. MPS. MPS. I said we're talking about money. money.